Welcome, everybody. Let's talk real estate. Your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward. With our man right in the middle, Barry Saywitz. Hey, Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to our viewers and our listeners out there. I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company and managing partner of Barry Saywitz Properties. And if it's one thing that I've learned in my 30-plus years of uh, doing whatever I've been doing, it's to look at both sides of the equation and try and make an informed business decision and come up with solutions. And so I'm excited for today's show. we got a little special show today. I'm going to call it the uh, Saywitz Show. We have with us here in the studio live three generations of Saywitz, as I <laughs> My father, Michael, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday. We love you. We're not going to say how old you are, but you're a few years older than me. And we have my son, Ryan, who's also in the studio with us, who is graduating uh, high school and is going to go right off to class as soon as we're done here. I also want to do a special shout out to my uncle, Herb. Today is the 16th year of uh, anniversary of his passing. He's my godfather and a very big real estate magnate in his own right. So I hope he's listening in and enjoys the show. And we have a very special guest. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit Newport Beach, a little bit Orange County, a little bit California. Diane Dixon, a former mayor of the city of Newport Beach, current city council member and candidate for a state assembly for California in the 72nd district. Welcome, Diane. To Thank the show. you, Barry. I'm delighted to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming. And so the primary election is just a couple of weeks away. For those of you out there who have not been following it, uh, June 7th, Tuesday, is the primary election for many offices including state assembly, amongst other things. And so if you're not registered to vote, if you weren't thinking about it, do it. Make sure you have your voice heard. Uh, Diane, you're running for uh, state assembly. That's uh, correct. Looking to move up from Newport Beach and and local uh, politics into the state arena. I want to take a step back before we go forward for a second. Mm -hmm. You've had a long career, not only in business, but also really within Newport Beach and with Orange County. How are we sitting from the standpoint of Newport Beach first today? versus pre-COVID versus just the struggles that we've had. It seems like we're into a new era at this point. Well, in terms of recovery, and yes, on the business side, we're working really hard uh, as a city. Uh, we're seeing uh, the hospitality numbers, uh, hotel reservations and plans and meetings that are being planned for Newport Beach. Uh, I think that number, I believe the numbers are showing a steady rise and certainly Hotel visits, TOT projections are good. The projections for Newport Beach, in fact, today is Tuesday, two weeks from the primary. But at our council meeting this evening, we will be discussing the proposed 2022-23 budget. And we are projecting increased numbers. Of course, our top line revenue is property taxes and then sales taxes and transient occupancy taxes. And all numbers are pointed northward. We're also going to be having the pleasure to deal with a $13 million budget surplus. And so that's always good. Uh, Newport Beach is a well-managed city. Yes. Fiscally responsible, and we produce balanced budgets and budget surpluses nearly every year and even through difficult economic times. So we're solid in Newport Beach. Orange County generally is certainly moving back. It's I'm really 
business focused and seeing that our small business, small and large businesses get back on a stronger footing because it's essential to just sustain this vibrant economy that we have. And whether we're going through a very severe inflationary problem right now. I mean, gas tax, all this situation, it will certainly affect not just businesses, but families. So that's a big concern of mine as well. Yeah. And and as a small business owner myself, I'm excited to hear when people talk about being pro-business because my attitude is that if you are pro-business, it will feed back into the economy in terms of businesses growing, creating more jobs and investing back into the community. So the concept of that in general is uh, something that I think is uh, makes a ton of sense. And it's been successful for the city of Newport. Beach. No, that's, oh my gosh, yes, we are. I ran on, eight years ago, ran on a platform of pro-business, pro-resident. I mean, in two, they're both important in our city. We serve the residents and our business owners. That's a very good combination of leadership to move our city forward. Yeah, and I think the county as well really thrives on the same kinds of economic uh, indicators as uh, Newport Beach, which is tourism, which is real estate. And then also there's a diversity of business throughout the county as well. That's exactly right. And real estate in Orange County, I mean, just home building, homes, I'm hearing that the inventories are very low. I mean, people, we hear a lot of stories, and I actually say a lot, you know, people are leaving, but there are a lot of people coming into Orange County, leaving California, but coming into Orange County, which is good. And I know the housing stock, I think it's just, it's the lowest, the available housing stock is the lowest it's been in many years. Yeah, which creates a whole other dynamic of, of home ownership and how do you create an environment where the lower and the middle class have an opportunity to have housing, good quality housing. And so that sort of dovetails into what I was going to ask you on taking your political career from the city of Newport Beach really to a higher level. And and so before we go there, I just want to say on behalf of myself, who's a Newport Beach resident and business owner and others out there for all your years of service to the community and thank all that you. you do, thank you. Thank uh, you. It, sometimes it's I know it's a thankless job and it's a rough one. Well, I didn't get into it to be thanked when I did. I had a career in business, as, as you said earlier, for 30 years, worked for a Fortune 300 company as a senior executive. So I understand business wasn't intending to make it a career in public, holding public office. I've always been a political junkie, frankly, so it was a natural direction for me to, oh, there's a city council seat that's open and termed out. I think I'll run. And that's how it started. I honestly thought that I would fill my political need to be on the city council for eight years. I'm in my eighth year, and we term out after two four-year terms, and I have served as mayor twice, so it's the best job in the world, the best volunteer job in the world, and being the mayor of Newport Beach is just the best you can imagine. The reason I'm running is not to further my own personal career goals. As an elected official, I'm seeing the problems that we have in the state of California. So I'm happy to go off on that tangent because that is why I am running as a local official, seeing what new laws and policies coming out of Sacramento, which incidentally are not pro-business. So that's another fundamental issue, fire alarm issue for me. But as a local official, seeing the new laws that require mandates, unfunded mandates on local government, I just, sitting as mayor, this was a few years ago, Aren't we going to fight this? Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to run and do something about this? And here I am. Well, <laughs> and, and we're glad you're doing it. And I'm hoping, uh, as many others are out there, that you'll take the success that you've had with Newport Beach and try and move it to Sacramento and apply it to a wider uh, group of folks. Well, you know, it's interesting. As I've gotten to know, I go to Sacramento a lot, talking with the business community in Sacramento. There are very few business people serving 
in our legislature. I think I say this anecdotally, out of 120 elected members, there's 80 in the assembly and 40 in the state senate, maybe fewer than five actually have actual business experience. Meaning, have they signed the front of a pay, payroll check? Right. Do they do they meet payroll? And it's really unfortunate because the, the lack of understanding of business and how regulations and high taxes, onerous regulations, just in any industry, in any profession, uh, affect the business's ability to grow and to hire people yeah. to create jobs. It, there's a, it's a simple equation, and it gets lost on a lot of people. So that's one of the reasons why I'm running, is to represent the voice of local government and business to say, halt, wait, let's just hear another point of view on what you may be trying to propose. Sure. And so for those folks out there that aren't familiar with it, it's a little complicated in terms of the districting. Um, So explain maybe for folks that are listening in, you're running for the 72nd district, which is a seat that was vacated because of redistricting. Correct. I'll I'll let you explain it. Well, you know, you've been following it very well. Yes. So this district, for your listeners, from Seal Beach, all of Huntington Beach, Huntington Beach used to be split into two between two districts. Now it's one district, a whole city in one district, Huntington Beach, Newport Beach, Laguna Beach, and then it goes inland, Laguna Hills, Laguna Woods, Lake Forest, and Elisa Viejo, so some South County cities. No, not Costa Mesa, nor UC Irvine area was in the former assembly district. And so the assembly member from Laguna Beach who was in that district, is now running in a new assembly district. That right, in the, which covers the Costa Mesa portion. Yes, and Irvine. So this is a, a great district, the coastal district, frankly, and that's really important in the legislature to represent it. It has all income levels in the district. It's not just wealthy districts yeah. or wealthy population centers. It's hardworking, small business people, and it's diverse. And it is conservative in many ways, too. But it's really pro-business. Well, there's a whole other issues dealing with crime in our community. People want some remedy to the high crime, the homelessness. Homelessness, of course. Homelessness. I mean, if you're going to be homeless, where are you going to come? To California. Go to the beach. And go to the beach. So we deal with it as a Newport Beach council person. We've been dealing with it for years, or the last five years especially. Huntington Beach has the same issues as Laguna Beach. So we, I could represent the struggles that local government is dealing with Sacramento, dealing with homelessness. A lot of issues and opportunities there. But crime affordability is really a key issue to all of the constituents in this assembly district. The gas tax issue, how is this $98 billion surplus going to be return to the taxpayers. That's a concept that I think is novel. They'd rather just spend more money. Right. Well, I go to the mailbox every day looking for my your gas check. card from the governor. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to get a little ATM card, yeah. perhaps. And it, that's, might, it might be on one of those ships off the coast. Yes. And I don't know. But that's really not a grand plan program. No. And so I'm well aware Sacramento is a super one-party, super majority one-party state, clearly. And this is why a lot of people didn't want to run like, who wants to go to Sacramento to fight these battles? I said, I'll do it. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, again, it, it, politics aside, I mean, you're trying to implement policies that relate to the average person, whether you're a Republican, whether you're a Democrat. So on the one hand, you're trying to do things that, that would apply to most people. Of and course. certainly difficult to do that if, if other people have alternative agendas. But the district that you're in uh, is predominantly Republican. Correct. Right. And you are a Republican for those people who don't know. And so how do you, assuming you win and we hope 
you do um, get to Sacramento, how do you try and reach across the aisle and, and try and do things that are productive, that are practical, as opposed to the bickering? Well, I, you took the words off my campaign statement. I mean, that's a, I'm just joking, but that's who I am. I mean, I'm a solutions-oriented, problem-solving type of person, which is the business framework which I operate in. And so I obviously, you have to work across the aisle. Republicans are in the minority. And working with the moderate Democrats is is a very real possibility. Lori Davies, who's the current assembly member uh, south yeah. of here, Laguna Niguel and South, she had six she, Republican six bills that she authored signed into law. It's doable, and they're meaningful laws. And so it's not always the headline issues. I mean, you got to work those headline issues, but you always can be constructive on the margins too. So I I intend to do that. You spend probably the first term establishing your credibility that you really want to work. Uh, uh, across the aisle, and Lori tells me this, and I've talked to other business associations in Sacramento, they desperately want a Republican pro-business person just to be part of the conversation because yeah. it's it's absent, it's silent, it's quiet, it's silence. So it's possible to show that we want to be focused on solutions and problem solving. And it's and without compromising my fiscal conservative principles, it's possible. Yeah, well, anything's possible. It's a question yeah. of, you know, the, the implementation of yeah. it, I guess, at the end of the day. And, and you know, in your dealings for, for not only the city of Newport Beach, but also now that you're broadening it, I'm gathering you hear from business owners of all different oh, uh, yes. types, right? And, and so what are you hearing from them in terms of their struggles? I would tell you from my own perspective, hiring certainly gas, energy costs, uh, and, and really just inflation in general. That, and But regulations, I mean, the burdensome regulations are, are, are crippling to many industries. Now, the big issue that has was surfaced this year again, single-payer health insurance. I know you're not in the health insurance industry, but it's, it's a big business issue in Sacramento. Now, it was to create a single-payer system in California, taxpayer-funded, and it, the estimates were proposed to be 60 to $100 billion. That was killed in committee. Okay, good, but the sponsors have threatened to bring it back. And so this really worries... I mean, I'm not related to the medical associations at all, but I've been been educated. It's not just doctors and hospitals, but it, it, all the ancillary businesses. It's a dovetail. Right? It, exactly. I mean, it, it a rip, the ripple effect. It, absolutely. And so a major, major concern. But as the gas, uh, the gas tax and just taxes in general, we see the surplus because California has one of the highest tax rates in the country next to New York and Illinois. So those aren't really great bragging rights. But on the gas tax, Californians pay more for a gallon of gas than anywhere yeah. else in the country. Now you see Arizona, the gas, we're right now at what, $6 in some sense. Arizona's still in the 4 to $5. $1.50 is on imposed on every gallon of gasoline that Californians purchase because of California-only regulations. Yeah. In every industry, they're, they're strapped and crippled by regulations that impede growth. It just adds to the cost of doing business, which creates the cost of goods sold. And, right. and who pays for that? People think that, oh, business will just pay for it. It's 
the consumer. Consumer, who, at the end of the day, there's no question. Absolutely. And, and so when you talk about, we'll, we'll dovetail it back to real estate a little bit since we're talking sure. real estate, but, you know, affordable housing. So, you know, rents go up. The inventory for apartments is very low. The inventory for homes is very low. The prices go up and the consumer at the end of the day pays the price. And, and, and no different than, you know, my $15 burger is now $23, exactly. right? And, and so. Do you know that you know, the average cost has been estimated since I've been t- we've been talking about it? $5,200 a year in higher costs passed on to the consumer just because of inflation. And so what that does, from a practical standpoint, at least for me as a business owner, people need more money. So they either ask for a raise, they look for another job, there is movement, which then stifles the ability for companies to grow because they have all sorts of change. And then you need to have a labor pool that has the ability to live in the area and be able to work and not have to commute because you're paying right. more for gas. Let me just segue, since housing and real estate is is your wheelhouse there's an issue that is going to explode in about 10 or 20 years that's starting now and you've heard of i'm sure you've had other speakers talk about the regional regional housing needs assessment that is the state has imposed housing rezoning for affordable housing in the state of california so the state's goal newsom governor newsom's goal was three million the southern california association of governments have 1.3 million housing units that need to be zoned for newport beach huntington beach all every single city in california is rezoning not building homes but rezoning so homes can be built but the homes the word homes is a misleading name word how do let me just ask you a question how do people create generational wealth in anywhere. Yeah, you pass on your assets, and a lot of that comes from real estate. Okay. Let me tell you what's happening, going to be happening in real estate. I've seen this. I sit on the regional board of Southern California Association of Governments and then also OCOG, which is the Orange County, Orange County Association of Government. These RENA numbers are requiring affordable housing units, which are rental units. Yeah. Not single-family residents. You know that California, in the last two or three years, has change the zoning requirements. There's no more zoning for single-family residents. The ability for low-income people to create generational wealth, to pass on generational wealth, is through what? Homeowner equity. Right. How much homeowner equity does a, a renter create? None. And the combination now with rising interest rates and with a still a very tight real estate market, it makes it that much more difficult. We have tenants in our own portfolio that are trying to buy a home that keep getting outbid and can't find it. So when we have 1.3 million housing units that are apartments and not single-family residences, we are going to have a problem in California keeping people only in apartments. They do not have the ability. I hear this from people in Los Angeles who have passed on generational wealth in lower-income communities, but this is where their families created their own wealth through their homeowner equity because they've owned homes for generations. Those homes are going to be apartments. And this is something nobody's talking about. Yeah. And I intend to be talking about it. As you can hear me, I'm, I'm quite passionate because no one is really understanding the consequence of of creating 1.3 million housing units, they're all rental, not for purchase. And you're talking about knocking down other, uh, whether it's retail or whether it's commercial property, in exchange yes. for uh, some type of housing. And if you don't do it in a bigger perspective, then people have to drive. They have to go right. further east or go further south or wherever they need to go. And then you have more people on the road, which is more traffic and uh, more expense. But the irony is on the requirements, the arena, the regional housing requirements, 
really put all the put most of the majority of the unit requirements in the coastal cities yeah. where we have inland we have no, and you have no land to, to even right. do it in the first place i mean we have in newport beach we have banny ranch we're prohibited from developing banny ranch it's now a state park or a, it's going to be a park uh we have the ocean we have john wayne airport we have wildfire wildfire protected areas so it's uh, reducing existing commercial and residential areas to create high-density housing. And it sounds good on paper, but where are the rental renters of the future, going? the families of the future, going to build the res- their home equity wealth? It's going to be very difficult because yeah. single-family residences are not going to be plentiful as they are today. I think short version, housing is a key issue today and going forward. Always. And the governor's solution of converting old motels and hotels into housing in an area like Orange County just doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, the Inland Empire is plenty of open space to build and create jobs. I mean, certainly the the warehouse industry out in in the Inland Empire is creating many jobs. That's where some good housing could be built for people who are working out there, too, as well as here. Anyway, I think the bigger picture is that housing strategy has not been well thought through. Yeah, I agree. Relative to the election, again, for those viewers and listeners out there who are not aware how the process works, so June 7th, if you're, you should vote, right? That's right. number one. Right. Uh, number two is, at least for the purposes of your race, there are three candidates, and the top two then go on to duke it out, if you Correct. will, in the final election in November. And it doesn't really matter if it's two Republicans or two Democrats. Correct. In your particular case, there's two Republicans and one Democrat that are vying for the two final positions. Correct. So it's an interesting concept for those who are not familiar with it. And in terms of the differences between your approach and the other candidates, while we're not going to throw anybody under the bus, what I'm hearing is pro-business. What I'm hearing is housing is key. What I'm hearing is uh, practical solutions from a business perspective. That's correct. Again, for me, those are the kinds of things that I think somebody wants to hear. Well, that's who I am. I, uh, I have an opponent who's the Democrat from Laguna Beach. She's run for council twice and has lost. I don't know much about her. I've never met her nor seen her. I know she's she's uh, in the animal rights world, and, and I know Hollywood and some aspects of Silicon Valley kind of are attracted to that. I love animals. I've always had dogs my whole life, but this maybe takes it to an extreme. So that's that. And then my uh, other Republican is waging a very quiet campaign. I really don't know what his strategy is. I think he looking for name recognition to run for local office or something. So I mean, so I'm out there. You probably see my signs everywhere. Yeah. Uh, just for your listeners, just to be reminded, everybody's received a mail-in ballot. It's no longer called an absentee ballot. Everybody gets a mail-in ballot. And, you know, you can go to a voting center. You can go, you see the yellow and white voting boxes. I believe they are secure because you can track them. It's a barcoded system. And so when you drop your ballot in the box, it, you'll get a confirmation that it's been received. So I trust that system. And you don't really need to go. You can just send it in. And it's you can mail it in. Unlike the old days where if it was absentee, you got the sense it really didn't count. That's just not the case anymore. That That is true. So I encourage everybody to vote. It's a very important election. It's a very important election for people who are pro-business, pro-local government, pro-public safety. Uh, my um, theme on public safety is make crime illegal again. The people want safe communities. We Our laws have been dramatically, uh, criminal laws have been dramatically weakened. The jail sentence, the prison sentences have been reduced. The bail has been reduced, if not eliminated. Uh, we just have a lot of crime in our communities. And 
people want safe communities, safe neighborhoods. So that's a very big priority for me. I've been married f- over 40 years uh, to a pro- career prosecutor. I'm, or the, we're the parents of a former prosecutor. So public safety uh, is it's very important is important to everyone. But it, it's really dramatic how laws have weakened our criminal justice system. And uh, there are various ways that they can be strengthened, and I hope to do that. But just in California, generally, I just want people to feel confident that there are people running for Sacramento. I hear this when I knock on the doors. I knock on Democrat and Republican doors, and when I'm speaking with a Democrat, they say, I'm a Democrat, but I'm voting for you. It's gotten crazy in Sacramento. Please go to Sacramento and just try to straighten things right. up. I hear this from people, and so and independents especially, a lot of them are former Republicans, and so they said, Diane, we're voting for you. We're voting for you because you're common sense, you're pragmatic, you want to get things done. And that's who I am. And whether it's public safety, it's taxes, neighborhoods, local control. As I said earlier in my comments, Sacramento has really, I call it the giant sucking sound. And another presidential candidate years ago used that term for another reason. But giant sucking sound, taking power from local government, mandating zoning laws, local development laws, land use, all these laws you're familiar with in your, right. in your profession. Those decisions are no longer being made at the local city council level. They're made in Sacramento. And it's a problem. And I intend to be a voice for our local cities. And, and uh, as you should, and uh, represent the, the constituents in uh, your area uh, appropriately. So that's why people need to vote. This is an important election. And urge them all to mail in their ballot. Do it. Vote, go out and do it. So uh, just to tie it back into the real estate theme of, of things, uh, we've just got a couple minutes left. Uh, we could probably go all day on uh, the hundreds of different yes. uh, challenges <laughs> that face our, our great state. But we still do have people moving to Orange County. You still have a di- very dynamic and diverse business community here. Yes. And, and part of the reason I believe that it thrives is because the business owners want to live in Orange County. And so they really yes. don't want to take their operations elsewhere. There's not uh, as many uh, Elon Musks as you think that are, are, are fleeing. Right. But there's certainly very solid reasons to get out of Dodge and go to other places. And there are states like Arizona, like Nevada, like Texas that are much more business friendly. Uh, and much more cost-effective at the end of the day. Let me give you a real quick example. I heard this from the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott. He was here in Orange County a few months ago uh, raising money <laughs> for his re-election. Everybody comes to Orange County. He, this is a very visual example of what the problem is in California. So, you know, Tesla has uh, a plant in Fremont, California. So Elon Musk went to Governor Newsom or someone in his administration said, I want to expand my manufacturing. Manufacturing jobs are the key to middle class. And laws in California have chased manufacturing out of California. But anyway, so Elon Musk says to Newsom, I'd like to build. Uh, How long will it take? I've got the stack of permits I've got to fill out before I could even get further on planning. And the governor said, well, this is now this is a true story in July of 2021, excuse me, 2020. And Governor Newsom said, well, I'm sorry, you know, it's going to probably take five years, you know, the stack stack of permits. That's just what it takes. That's the law in California. Newsom must said to Newsom, well, thanks anyway. Musk goes to Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, and says, I want to build a plant, 5,000 jobs, new Tesla plant. California doesn't care about me anymore. What what can Texas do for me, and how long will it take? And uh, Governor Abbott said, this is July 2020. We'll have it up and running in 18 months. That plant is open in Texas 
5,000 employees and growing a Tesla plant in Texas. It took 18 months. Yeah. Well, and, and you just take it on a smaller scale, a simple manufacturer or a distributor who doesn't have to be near the port, who doesn't have to be in Orange County or Southern California in particular, can go to Arizona or can go to Nevada and get an existing facility. With the vacancy so low here, uh, there are cheaper other opportunities elsewhere. And to invite people to leave and take their stuff with them uh, seems crazy. like a, a bad plan. And just just the final comment about the Texas Governor Abbott calls Texas the new golden state. So when I heard that, I mean, I like him. I, I mean, he's doing the right thing. He's encouraging business in his state that will benefit the jobs and people and, and the uh, business people and residents in the state. We need to reclaim the golden state in California. And that's what I intend to do by running for the state assembly, being a voice for, for business, for small business, for the average taxpayer who has been hurt hard by inflation and high taxes. High taxes hurts everybody. Yeah. And to spread that from the rooftops. Granted, from a minority party, but we will grow the Republican base in, the, in Sacramento. We must so that we have more balance and good policy making coming out of Sacramento. That is absolutely essential. It takes debate. It takes compromise. It takes give and take. The sausage making, it doesn't happen anymore. We have to return to good democratic processes to create better policy for all Californians. Well, let's leave it at that. I don't know there's much else to say. That sums it up. Again, for our viewers out there, uh, June 7th, make sure you go vote. Make your voice be heard. Diane, thank you for being on the show. Much continued success to you, your family. We wish you well with the campaign. And thanks for sharing your thoughts and your insights with us. Well, Barry, thank you for doing what you're doing. This is a great way to help people get the message and your message as well. So thanks. It's been an honor to be here. Yeah, great. So again, for all of our viewers and our listeners out there, I'm Barry Saywitz, uh, president of the Saywitz Company. We will be back next week to talk more real estate. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I want to give a a special thanks to uh, Paul Roberts and the whole staff here at OC Talk Radio, our producers, and everybody that goes into making the show happen. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week. Well, there you have it. You've been listening to Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in Southern California. On Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio, streaming live from our studio here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.